Hi, I'm John Fennessy, graduate student at Western Oregon State University. And today I'm looking at Nicholas Carr's What the Internet is Doing to Our Brain, The Shallows. Is the Internet dumbing down society? Are major corporations gaining too much authority over what and how we view and acquire information? Is the Internet and computers changing not only the way of our thinking, but how we think, how we learn, how we perceive information? Is it damaging the way we think by, as Carr states on page 5, something has been tinkering with my brain, remapping the neural circuitry, reprogramming the memory? These are valid questions. Carr starts with the age-old argument that has faced almost every new technology. That which states for every new advancement, certainly with technology, there have certainly been drawbacks that have altered society. Except this time, though, I think, in the shallows he may be taking it from a privileged stance. Now, to be fair, I don't think, or I would at least like to believe, that this is not a conscious choice or stance by Carr. But by following his logic, I did perceive that one of his arguments against this new medium was absolute access to information by the masses that was once the purview of the very privileged few. Those that had time to digest large tomes, spend hours in the library researching and data gathering, digesting and shifting, sifting through information, creating hypotheses and publishing conclusions. Being able to read for hours on end and digest information are traits that he, uh, he identifies as being very important. But by his own acknowledgement, even he doesn't really do that anymore. It's just easier to Google it. But see, now anyone can log on, log in, and have access, instant access, to the same information in a simple and quickly digestible format. Now, certainly not with the same understanding, and certainly with nowhere the depth of usability, but access nonetheless. And this cannot have any other result than to lower the status of those priorly privileged. In Chapter 6, The Very Image of a Book, we see a great example of the all-or-nothing battle that seems to be taking place, certainly in relationship to technology. Carr acquits himself quite well in his discussion of Mark Fetterman and Clay Shirky, who have moved far to the technology side. And while I may agree with some of their statements, such as Shirky's, uh, the old literary habits were just a side effect of living in the environment of impoverished access, page 111. His conclusion also on that same page, that we can now lay those tired habits aside, obviously moves far too uh, far into the technology side of things. However, I would disagree with Carr on page 107 in his statement that a printed book is a finished object. Uh, all writers revisit their works at some point. Uh, and he also goes on to say, once inked onto the page, the words become indelible. The finality of the act of publishing has long instilled in the best and most conscientious writers and editors a desire, even an anxiety, to perfect the words they produce, to write with an eye and an ear towards eternity. First, I, I, I don't understand the context of the eternity at that point, but he finished it by saying electronic text is impermanent. Well, if he means that you can go back and edit and revise, then yes, that would be that would be true, but that's true with books as well. That's why we have first, second, third editions in, in textbooks. Uh, 
But if he means it's impermanent, as in it can be deleted, it can be erased, I, I think that if this was published in the 90s, uh, maybe that argument could be made. But as being published in 2010, that is well beyond the window where people began to realize and indeed completely understood that if you publish something on the Internet, if something is out there, if you misspeak or write, it is there for imperpetuity for people to search and find. And the chances of ever getting it back, deleting it, getting rid of it, are absolute zero. A digression on the buoyancy of IQ scores, starting on page 144, while a nice short three-page read. Ironically, in a discussion on critical thinking, was quite lacking in data support. It left me wondering who was tested, how many were tested, what ages were tested, what were the differences in who was tested between the categories of early and late. Uh, I, I think that Carr m- could have done a much better job in his, uh, his data representation here. I will end my discussion of Nicholas Carr's The Shallows with a look at Chapter 8, The Church of Google. Some fantastic information in this chapter, much that a lot of people don't know, including Taylor's 1911 Treaties on the principles of scientific management which have, and still to today, uh, drive society and business. Um, The look at Google, the founders, how they found it, how they grew, what they did, their business plan, and what they continue to do today are are incredibly interesting reads. However, I, I felt that there was an opportunity, maybe not an opportunity, but a misrepresentation in the, in the uh, discussion on the lawsuits filed over Google Books. Um, I left feeling that the author wanted us to believe that it was an uh, exclusive right to Google, which is simply not the case. The Google had exclusive rights to you know, these millions and millions of books. Um, which is not true. You can you can go to Amazon and buy the same book. You can buy it from Google, sure. You can buy it on eBay. You can get it from the publisher. You can get it many different places. They did win rights. They did win concessions, and they uh, it was a good business move on their plan. But they did not get exclusivity, and that will continue to drive competition for some time to come. Indeed, even today, two two and a half years later, uh, you can still buy the same books on Google elsewhere for less. I would agree with Carr on his discussion of AI, and uh, I will get into that in a minute, but I would like to, I would like to say real quick, the, the, the discussions on algorithms, boiling everything down to algorithms, is, is an interesting one from the standpoint of we are already into that sector of society. Whether people like it or not, everything you do is boiled into an algorithm. You know, how much do you shop? Where do you shop? Do you shop online? They ask you for your zip code. Everything is boiled down already. So to to take issue with looking at algorithms is uh, that that horse has left the barn. Um, now looking at AI, I would I, I would agree. This is a scary proposition, even for those of us in the tech industry. It is it is a mountain that will be climbed at some point. It's there. Somebody's going to climb it. Is Google the right company to handle that situation? Can they control it? Or is it a government? I don't know. Um, but I, it is an interesting discussion that I think could have been taken much, much farther. Overall, 
The Shallows was an incredibly interesting read. Um, I, I disagree with a great many things that were said in it. I think it had a lot of very outstanding information and can understand why it was so exceptionally received when it came out. Again, I, I believe that to, to, to downplay technology at this point, it, it's too late. Technology is here to stay. It's going to grow. Um, we've, we've had these discussions I should say society has had these discussions from the, like he says, from the Gutenberg press on people, you know, when the radio came out and people huddled around it in the 20s and 30s and through World War II to get that news, entire families, that was a changing of society. Television, changing of society. Computers, changing of society. These things continue, they will continue. It's just a matter of what's next. I hope that the discussion continues, but I hope that it is one that can be taken uh, a little farther forward and not be quite the all-or-nothing extreme that it seems to be at this point. Thank you. Thanks for listening.